Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adventures in Angular. My name is Alyssa Nichol. I am the Angular Developer Advocate at Progress for Kendo UI. And today on our panel, we have the awesome Brooks Forsyth with us. Hi, everyone. And Chris Ford. Good day. Awesome, awesome. And our show today, we have a, a guest who is joining us. His name is Sani Youssef. And Sani, how are you doing today? Lovely, lovely, amazing. It's very sunny. So I'm loving it. I love sun. Love a lot of sun. <laughs> My goodness. I was so ready for summer. <laughs> so Sani, tell us for those listening to the podcast today, um, you know, who have somehow managed to not hear of you. Can you give us a quick intro to yourself, what you do, where you work, etc.? Yeah, so I'm Sani Yusuf. I'm known as the Nigerian that lives in England. I run a small consultant in London and mostly now I've been working on the project for the past few years with a company called MindLive, uh, where we are building a lot of healthcare stuff. So like building basically a mobile, um, sorry, a mental health platform that allows, you know, patients and doctors to sort of like create stuff so the therapist can create like a lot of content and they can push down to the patient in a very friendly manner and vice versa. And and then there's also like other, other administrative stuff and it's pretty much all Angular, uh, yeah, which was hard to sell at first, but I'm glad we went that narrow. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. Was it like, uh, was it between Angular and some other framework? What was the, uh, what was the sell? I think it was between Angular and somebody else's eager. And that's, that's all I'm going to say. It was <laughs> like, it, it was a, it was a no brainer. You're building a enterprise grade JavaScript first platform, right? right? You know, like it's, it's all about the right tool for the right job. I think if Spelt was around at the time, Spelt would have been a very good fit as well. But mm. it just made sense, you know, like it's, you know, SEO is not really part of the picture. So, you know, the single page application stuff didn't really matter. So it was a case of, yeah, it was Angular was always the option, but maybe a, one or two people didn't want to learn Angular to the level that's required for you to do something like that. Um, but in the end, yeah. Well, that is awesome. I'm glad that the Angular won the battle for that one. I've been a part of a project uh, years ago when it was the Angular JS switch to Angular, and I actually lost the battle to uh, I think it was React. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, React is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Sometimes I think if if we were to go down the React path for this particular project, it would have been really, 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 really difficult because you know some of the things we're doing in here is like. You know, when you're working healthcare, you can go into one client, they want all the buttons to fly to space while there's other client ones. So you're constantly like, you, that's that's how you get paid, right? You do what they want, but then how can you make a central engine that allows you to easily morph and meet people's requirements? And, you know, when you have things like AOT, you have things like the Ivy Render now, you have things like Lazy Loading. Um, it's an absolute no-brainer not to use Angular yeah. in our case. Yeah, I I love it. It reminds me of when I try to tell people about why you use a UI library because there's there's so much that can be reinvented. But why why reinvent the wheel in when you could be spending time on other parts like of like other features of the product? So I feel like the same thing. Why would you 
it's essentially building out your own framework <laughs> versus choosing Angular that has so much, so much already done for you. So, yeah, absolutely. I think in our case, we actually ended up building an SDK because you know every single client is almost like a separate application in a monorepo because you build out the SDK and then you create this like schematic that every single client app almost like takes in that SDK. So, so like how Android works, they just all implement that SDK. So if the client needs a specific use case, you can build their own like mini SDK within that client space. But if also you bring a new feature that everybody else has to have, you can just do that and maintain that in one place. And that really allows you to say, so yeah, you end up with a lot of applications physically, but maintainability long-term wise, you can have project owners that do nothing but, you know, SDK work and everything. And it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's really, really amazing. So you, you have several clients like, uh, yeah, clients uh, in the same mono repo using the yeah. same, that's yeah. cool. So, yeah, exactly. So what we've tried to do is the code all sits in the mono repo, right? You have the SDK, which is like these granular building blocks for every single application. Then you have like a, Let's say, you know, let's say you become a client for us. So let's say Brooks's company comes in and Brooks's company would be like, okay, we'll create a, an actual NG ad app, you know, uh, NG generate app and we'll create Brooks's client. And then in that Brooks's client app, we would inherit everything in that SDK. All right. Pretty much everything that Brooks's client needs. And if Brooks's client needs something that is very specific to Brooks, we could just go into that Brooks's client and do that. So we don't have to like, Think about like the continuous integration on the that scale. We can just think about it on just that Brooks's client scale and write only like end-to-end -end tests for Brooks's client scale, that kind of thing. In the future, we would probably be using schematics so that when we want to add that, it's a little bit more automated as well. So yeah, it allows us updating yeah. work for like updating to Angular. Yeah, or any of the you know dependency versions, is it just one update and all of them are updated? Yeah. So because it's still one Angular repo, it's the one package JSON file, oh. right? Uh, which means, yes, as the scale, as you scale up, that could potentially be problematic, but not necessarily because nine times out of 10, it, like nine out of 10 packages are all used by all the applications. There's rarely a case where, where this one guy, and, and even if that was a case and started becoming a problem someday, that would be easily solvable where you could, I think there's some nifty fancy things you can do with like NPM where you can have like almost like mini NPMs. Uh, we haven't gotten the need to do that. But yeah, if we needed to object, so I recently upgraded to Angular 9, which is a breath of fresh air. <laughs> it was updating the one package.json file and then everybody, like all the apps now are just all Angular 9, you know, that's it. And yeah, so at this point, it's pretty cool. It's easy. <laughs> Do you have the back end in the repo as well, or is that a separate repo? No, so I've, I'm kind of known as being a very, like, I would say ultra serverless type of guy. Like, I've okay. been serverless since 2000. Ultra serverless. Yeah, ultra next, serverless. Next big thing. Yeah, yeah. So I've been serverless since 2011. That's how serverless I have been. Like, the very first version of Azure type of serverless <laughs> way before Firebase. Because I think... A lot of people, we developers, we like to over-engineer sometimes. Like, it's okay for somebody else to just let you do things. Like, it's cool. No one's going to be. So we're we using Atlas, MongoDB Atlas. 
and so everything is all there if you need anything you can just use functions but we have had a need for an uh, api we are thinking should we add those nestjs apis uh, we only have one of those inside of the repo we are right now we have like a almost like a back-end mono repo type of thing where we're just doing that but because we have the one we haven't start like should we put it in there where we still we haven't made the choice yet uh, i guess yeah how do you like uh nest.js i love i love nest.js yeah I think, me as well um, yeah i think if you're working with angular it should be your first choice not because it's great or it's not great but it's because you have the ability now to use the same exact thought process to think of a back-end application and they've encapsulated it so well that Someone like me, actually, I don't really know much about Express. I haven't really used Node that deeply, but I can still go in an SGS application and just use the observables and everything and just know that, okay, this function, just decorated with get, and use the same principles and relatively get a very stable application working out quickly. And the organization is great too. Like it's organized like an Angular application. I feel yeah. like I need to go try it now. You're selling me on it. <laughs> Should. I sell stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so I wanted to ask you, I saw the topic for today's podcast and build a form around it. And I was hoping this meant that you might actually finally put a positive spin on maybe reactive forms for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So you not like reactive forms? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't like say the, I like don't. the best thing. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god i've started, to, I've started on this learning now that in the community people are not necessarily happy with reactive forms and honestly i don't know why but you I'm don't trying... you don't know why <laughs> like because i think i don't know if it's a remnant of how bad maybe angular forms were or just, let's be real forms are crap you know <laughs> like if we have to pick what we got paid to do every single day. None of us. Would you wouldn't be like forms all day, yeah, every day. It's not going to be. If, that, if you see that one serial killer that goes forms, that you know who to stay away from. Right. No, yeah. Right. <laughs> forms are really difficult generally. Mm. Right. And I think people forget how bad it was in comparison to reactive forms. It's not perfect, but people forget how much you can do just because of your reactive forms. Like I don't envision myself doing anything else with forms in any other framework so easily. And, and by the way, so there's no there's no point that you would choose template like driven forms. You oh, there are two types go. of forms in Angular. I know the first one is reactive forms, and the second one is also reactive forms. Those are the only two type of forms that exist in Angular. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I I'm just I'm not sold on it yet because I don't see the value in it. So I would love to hear you kind of break that down for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, template forms still exist, right? Let's be real. Uh, I shouldn't. Put the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just trolling you now, big time. Yeah, but I, but, but I'm right. Getting stuff really easily done, right? But when you start getting to the field of testing, and even the people that created this have come out and said, please use reactive forms. So I think the problem with reactive forms is is a few things. If you come from a very Java.net object oriented background, you'd find reactive forms pretty straightforward, and you'd see that it makes sense. But if you come from a traditional JavaScript, let's say you're a React developer and you just joined and started using Angular traditional JavaScript, you might struggle with the how monotonous that using reactive forms can be. It's like, okay, I have to think about formula, form group, and everything like that. So it's 
it's really that. But when you understand why that exists, actually, you really appreciate it. Oh, it makes it so that the things I want to do, the complex things I want to do with forms easy. It's so with reactive forms, it's hard to do the simple stuff or it looks hard to do the simple stuff, but it's easy to do the more complex stuff. Well, that, that was why I was wondering if there was ever a moment with a form that you're like, yeah, let's not make this reactive. Like it's legitimately like one input or something. Like I didn't know if there was a line that you drew or if you actually were always. Yeah, I'm pretty much all the way because if it's just one input, I'm just using like a form control, right? Like the Because you have three members. You have the form control, you have the form group and the form array. So if it's just one input, I would still use the form control. And yes, if I was to use the like template forms, I'll probably get it done half the time. But now I'm struggling to test. Now, if I needed to do anything, and if I needed to make something that like to make a validator or something like that, I'm screwed pretty much. I, I, I kind of feel like also, you, I think that if you're going to, you shouldn't use both types of forms, I think, like in any in any one application. I think you should just pick one and you should go with it. And 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 to be fair, if, if your choice is to use the template forms, that's that's fine, you know, dig your own grave. But um, like if you if you're if you're happy with reactive forms, like I don't think you should be dropping in any template stuff because uh, you think about onboarding a new developer onto a project. They're going to come along and be like, "All right, we, I've got to build a form now." But I'm seeing both types in use. So what one am I supposed to do? I see. Okay, so you're saying it's much better to be consistent throughout the app, no matter yeah. how simple a form is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I can see. Like for example, in our project, we I, I don't know if it's a rule or an unknown rule, but Reactive forms are the only things allowed. It's it's just like an unwritten rule. Like I think we generally see template forms as like a code smell. Yeah, I think we do. Like we've got to that place where it's like, what is that? And this is not to bash anybody that uses template forms. It it, it has use cases. I think just for us, it's like we've used reactive forms well enough to know even for the simple stuff is worth spending the extra time to just make it reactive forms. I'd, I'd like, love to hear why um, the template forms cause problems for testing. I think because, like, um, if you think about it, with the reactive forms, right, you can easily test inside of the component. So you can really, like, for example, if you needed to test the validator function, right, you can write that validator function testing without even doing anything with forms. You can just write a pure function somewhere, right, that you can test literally outside of the scope of Angular as well. So you know that that piece of logic works very well. And then now when you get into the realms of uh, asynchronous, all of that, while template form, because everything is in your banana in a box, if you needed to test, now you're dealing with this whole ng model style thing where if things start changing every now and then, you're like guessing and stuff like that. You you could get hurt really quickly. Imagine Sonny like seeing ng model and just like cringing. Like, <laughs> well, I think, I, I, I think I it sounds like he like just does like sweep the desk. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. just <laughs> computer on the floor. <laughs> ONG model, I don't see color. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> yeah. I just uh, I just started a project and they're using template forms and that's the first project I've ever been on in like about four or five years to doing Angular 2 development with template forms. And I'm just like, what is going on here? This is so much different. It's still got their fans. Like, you find like quite a lot of the form stuff on Stack Overflow, People, people's answers on there tend to go straight to template forms. I remember when I was, when I was first starting out with Angular, obviously like, it's not an easy framework, is it? So I was going Googling quite a lot of stuff and I'd, I'd quite often find that 
I'm on Stack Overflow, and and if it's a forms question, the answer is all with ng model. But like I, I I committed quite early on to go with the reactive forms because they just they just work better for me. Like in terms of I understand them better. I like having all my logic in a component. That's why that's why I like them. I, I like to keep as much stuff out of the template as I can. So yeah, it was it was in in those early days it was it was quite tricky when I'm trying to find out the answer to a thing. It's like right now now I've also got to convert it from you know, from the template-based form into into the reactive form solution. It's funny because it's the same with, you know, Kendo UI, where we're constantly creating like new components. And a lot of them, as you can imagine, are form input type components. And so all of our documentation is twofold, right? It's it's all, this is how you'd implement and validate and test it with reactive. This is how you do it with template-driven. And so even whenever, like we just released uh, a couple new things for forms and we don't, our docs aren't finished yet because we only have the reactive docs out right now. So it's just interesting having to support both um, and seeing lots of people mm-hmm. use both so <laughs> yeah I, I would not be surprised if the angular team someday deprecates the the template forms i will not be surprised i feel like there has i don't know if i've had this conversation with someone what would that i mean that would be like like think of brooks's project right now that's like yeah. using like what would that even look like because it's not like you can just be like ng update from template driven to reactive like that would no, nah, but you you years? would warn us, and then like you right. know we'd have a year to change it, right? Right. In theory, but we, you know most people would put it off until like they're three versions behind the right. version they dropped it, and then you know call an overpriced consultant to change it all for <laughs> buck fifty an hour. But that's really what it looks like. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. If they'll if they'll drop it, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I think I think um, forms are. I, I say forms are the most underrated part of any, like our day-to-day lives. Every single day, every one of us here has used a form. If you think about your browser, address bar, that is a form. If you think about a lift, when you press those buttons, that is a form. If you think about your mobile phone, when you wake uh, wake your mobile phone up and you are making a phone call, that is a form. You go into your, your car, and those radio buttons, they're technically forms. But we don't see them as forms because they work. We only remember that they're forms when they don't work. And that's that's the key thing there. Now I'm going to see everything as a form line. What have you done? <laughs> I'm getting scared. This is like a horror movie here. Yeah. Forms are taking over. Yeah, I, it, it is. It's our day-to-day. Forms are how we, there's key to how we provide input to machines, right? Yeah. Think about even your remote control is technically a form. You are putting input like you. I can go. I can milk this to like the very end, but it's it's they're very key. I was watching SpaceX, and you know everybody was like, "Hey, what was this built on?" Apparently, the dashboard was built with JavaScript. Basically, I saw that. I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, self-made version of Electron." But those are all forms. They're just buttons, and and again, this is what takes taking people to space. So it shows you that it's really really important. So I see a link to an Angular Connect talk to that Sonny did so is there I'm assuming you want people to go and check out that talk so like not too many spoilers but is there anything like big takeaways that you want to highlight from it that you shared with everyone at Angular Connect yeah I think the most thing is really showing like some of the building blocks of forms like you know talking about how you know everything first of all you need to think of everything as an abstract control that is the base element Everything is an abstract control. And then it's just these, uh, this abstract control has three children, which is the form control, which you use for individual form elements, 
or it, excuse me, input elements, and then the form group, and then the form array. A form array is rarely used because a lot of times, even when the form array is not, is correct, I just still use the form group because the form group is just I it's, that object based API is really really easy to to work. You know, can you use a form group? with like an ng4 though you know when you have several when you're adding in more questions into the form based on their answers technically because i just used a form array and that was like i don't know a couple times i've used it i use it when you're like adding a car and then you have uh questions about each car you know like do you want it red or black right and then you have to answer those yeah you could i mean there are ways where you could but can you do that with a form group I'm no wondering. you can't use the ng4 because it's not an intro okay if you need it right that. yeah yeah, you'd have to use something like maybe object or keys and whatever. And that that case, if if iterating is very very key to your experience, then the form array might be a much better um, experience. Uh, there are a few things about forms that can be better as well. We'll, we'll probably get to the, into that later on. But I guess in that talk, the most important thing was really showing specific use cases. So one of the use cases I showed was the the uh, that a lot of people loved was the async validator, which is you know, where I did a live demo where I use a, a Zippopotamus. It's a online free API that allows you to send a zip code for a country and you get the information back. It's free, Zippopotamus, zippopotamus.us, I guess. And then you can go like forward slash UK, forward slash Australia. It's supposed like 20 or 30 different countries. And so where I was able to like put in a postcode on a live, watch the form, go and see whether that person, we could deliver to that person based on their postcode. You know, that, that I think is very, very, very key because when you think about like, say you're creating a social media application, what's the first thing people do to create a username? You want to see if that username is taken or not. Now the form has to wait and listen asynchronously whether that API request is good or bad. These are some of the use cases that you know we don't think of as forms, but they are. That's actually super interesting. I've never really thought of it like that. How, yeah, you need to, need to be able to validate on the fly like yeah yeah it's that's very interesting i like the i like the zippopotamus as well that's a Cute somebody thought guy. long and hard about that name didn't they yeah. yeah it's it's a it's a nice i mean there are other things when you think about like not just the on the fly stuff as well but just like um brooks was saying when you need to remove things here and there you know you need to hide and show stuff and that's also thing what also you needed to do uh, think about when you need to really like, you know, everybody has used that form where you fill in something, you make a mistake, you send it to the server, it comes back absolutely empty and it tells you you made a problem. So being able to compose that data and recompose that data, that is also key. And, and knowing when somebody has interacted with the form to provide really great user experiences, you know, via CSS, via a lot of things, uh, Angular reactive forms are really, really, really super could have done with you uh, on the show a few weeks ago my fellow co-host might remember that i was having an issue where i was i was trying to I, all i was trying to do is reset a form because uh, the requirement for this thing that i was working on for work was that there's the reset button on the form and i reset i click the reset button i go like my form my dot this dot my form dot reset all the validation flared up like suddenly i've got my empty form but it's saying oh this field is required this field is required this field is required i wasted something like three days on that trying to work out Gosh, how to resolve what that. What was the answer to that, by the way? It was fil- like it was a really proper filthy solution. Like, it turns out, I don't know whether I don't know whether it's a bug in Angular or whether it's a bug in Angular Material or whether it's something specific in like one of the components that we're using uh, on the project, right? But other people had encountered it. And it turns out the only way to resolve it was that when you click the reset button, 
you destroy the component and then reinstantiate it wow. in a set timeout. Uh, and it's it was like so that the fields weren't like touched or yeah. dirty and yeah. then setting yeah. up the validator flex. Oh, right. What about sort of solution? Go on. Did you try like just using like markers touched, markers untouched, all those things as well? I did, yeah, I did, I did everything. I was, <laughs> I was you know, because there was people were registering like GitHub issues about similar things. Uh, so, which is why I wonder if it's a bug with Angular, maybe. But you know, everything I tried just didn't work. And in fact, that, that is the kind of solution that I absolutely hate using because that is absolutely not the way that you should be resetting a form, right? But yeah. sometimes, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, well, I guess we can use this opportunity to talk about some of the things that we don't like about reactive forms, right? Yeah. Like, Go on, Alyssa. Yeah, like that, I don't know. I've never come across that use case. So I actually investigate that. One of the things I know that is very difficult to do, and I've spoken to, I think I've spoken to someone on the Angular team about this, uh, and they were like, you know, right now, one of the things that apparently, at the time I spoke, which was like a year and a half ago, there wasn't anybody in charge of maintaining the forms project. So the forms project is one of those ones that it was so well built that everything else has gone forward. There hasn't been anyone to show it love because, you know, so it's one of the, what they're thinking about really completely imagining it, you know, from behind the scenes. So for example, if you needed to debounce on an input, it's actually pretty difficult, which is crazy. Let's like, just say, hey, I want to debounce on this particular input field, you know, don't update it after... It's actually really, really, really difficult. Like it's so difficult to do something as simple as that. But I also one thing I don't like is if you needed to add a new form control or register a validator, you couldn't really just add a validator. You had to sort of like so let's say you had four validators, right? In as the properties. You couldn't just add a fifth one. You had to like construct an array or an object of five validators and then send that validator in. So you were like always resetting. You are never mutating. And they took, you know, immutable JS to a whole new level. So, yeah, that I don't like. I think it can be better. I think maybe one thing that I don't like is that with, with the reactive forms, there's maybe too many ways to do the same thing. Mm. Like, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, I always like to, when I'm creating my form, I, I always use the form builder, this.formbuilder.group, passing all my stuff. But then, you know, I go to another component and, and then I see that somebody is just building like, individual form controls and just, just assigning stuff in there. And it's like, this goes back to what we were saying earlier about how, you know, you, you should use just one, one type of forms method because that way it's consistent. But actually, as it turns out, you need like levels of consistency on that. There's, there's, there's too, many ways, too many ways to skin that cat. Yeah, it kind of touches on just my issues of it just seems just headachey. <laughs> more difficult. Like I, I'm trying to debug my reactive form like yeah, last week and I, I kept Googling like the error I was getting and there wasn't a lot of help. And the way I ended up doing it was just to basically go a different route. And so that's kind of the same thing of that. I just, I don't know, it's just harder. I think from a, it's like you said, it's easier to do complex things with reactive forms. But if you're just like out of the gate trying to do something simple and it's like not working and you're like, how do I do this? And then everyone online's like, here's a template driven way to do it. <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100%. There's some, it's hard to ramp up to it. You know what I mean? Like it's complicated to dive in and, and get going on it. And maybe there's better tutorials or something that I missed when I was getting started on it. But I think it's so funny, Brooks, that you're like the exact reverse where you're like just now seeing a template driven way and you're like, oh yeah. What is yeah, this? Yeah, oh yeah. No, it feels <laughs> weird. 
I'm looking at it being like, oh, okay, I guess this is how we're going to do it. I, th- I think for me, what we were working on in our project was really what made me fall in love with Forbes because, you know, when you're building for healthcare, you're also building for education. That's just how it works. Um, that's why anybody that's worked in healthcare could easily move to education because it's like one of the same, just two sides of the same coin. Because think about it, we're allowing people to create content, right? Which ends up as a JSON format. And then this patients see that content consume the content, answer the question, which is also saved in the JSON format, right? So what I ended up doing, I didn't set out to build an SDK. There was already a version one. Admit it, it was on your to-do list that year. (laughs) You know, it's one of them ones is like how Linux got made, right? The guy just realized that, oh, I built a kernel. Like, oh, oh, right. Might as well just, you know, make it. So like what Yuri uh, Yuri Shekhet does, you know, he just says, oh, Oh, it's my lunchtime. I feel like creating my own private jet. And then Yuri goes ahead and creates his own private jet and then comes and demos it like it's just a regular old thing. And he's like, oh, you don't have a private jet? Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. That's how brilliant he is. So but you didn't go into it planning to do it? No, SP. no. We had a version one that basically, it was working, but, you know, healthcare is very, you're going to be audited. You know, they would audit you really well, security. Because if you like, say somebody should like, you know, you misdiagnose the wrong person. That has ramifications. So that is the type of mindset that needs to go. So when I jumped on the project, I told them, hey, you know, y'all need to start looking at this as life or death, not just like, hey, we're writing cool code. You cannot do that because I don't want to go to jail. And I'm pretty sure you don't want to go to jail. <laughs> so I guess when we started that, so what we had was a really working application, wonderful, but it had like pretty much everything was HTML, you know, which was nice, but I was like, well, maintainability-wise, this is not really. So what we end up doing is we created what I call these block systems, right? So you have like a, an image block, a text block, a radio button block, a checkbox block, around 12 of them, you know, image, video, audio. And that's what you can compose a bunch of like the page with. So you can have these blocks on this page, right? So you can have like page one, this block, you put in all the fields, the ID and everything. So with the the what's it called the now we also have the use case where every client wants their app to look different right so what i actually ended up doing is the sdk is actually has it there's no template in the sdk it exists solely to hold in the component logic and then what you do is you inherit that sdk you create the same component but you all you use component inheritance to inherit that way super yeah exactly so you go in okay brooks application has Brooks image block, Brooks text block. Well, that just exists to inherit from SDK block, uh, text block, and then implement the template the way Brooks wanted. But if Brooks, say, image block needs to do anything different, you can just override or like add features on top only in that Brook SDK. And that's really, and to compound that, Brook SDK would have Brook web and then Brook like mobile, which is like an Ionic app. So you now have to have like almost like a mini Brook SDK that is shared between those two as well. So it's that level of complexity was like, we weren't a fan of it, but I was like, look, if we want to be able to walk into any client and say, hey, we can absolutely overnight give you what you need without lying. We need to put in this work. And once we do it, it takes a year or whatever. Now we have the infrastructure that we can do. So we ended up with an SDK and now we're like, oh, it's so easy for us to do the, the, the cool stuff because... The SDK is not changing, you know. So yeah, that was interesting. Are you building applications with Vue.js? 
then you need to check out the Views on View podcast. Every week, we bring in a guest panelist from the View community and talk about the interesting things being built with View or the changes coming in its ecosystem. You can find it all at viewsonview.com. So you talked about clients having like desiring different looks. Mm -hmm. How has that been challenging being like, okay, this form needs to look totally different or not really. You just create different themes and throw, throw it in with SAS variables or what's your. Yeah. So because every single application is its own container, like you are just literally, so you don't have someone sit and just design for that particular specific application, not needing to do any code. So, so for example, if I'm creating a new project tomorrow, all I'm doing is just implementing the HTML and CSS for what that particular form block looks like. But all the behavior is, it already exists in the, what's it called? Um, the SDK. So for example, each block has what we call a data property where you pass in the data for that particular block. And you're just going to the HTML and say, okay, data.header here, data.text here, you know, data. You don't need to write individual tests because it's already been tested at the SDK level. So you're just literally like that. It sounds complex, but if you think about what it allows you to do is it allows you to sleep well knowing that, hey, doesn't matter what will change. This guy is always going to like, you know, we can mess things up and it's not going to affect all the other apps. And we can test this centrally and know this works. And so it's um, without Angular reactive forms, I, we, would, we would absolutely be screwed. I'm 100%. I feel a little bit like I want to hear Alyssa tell us a bit more about why she would still prefer template driven forms it's just it's super it's not that like deep of a thing it's just really um, make make it sound like it is yeah <laughs> pretend you're a template form zealot <laughs> yeah. it's it's because i resist change and i got used to how template driven forms work and so Anything outside of it, not just React forms, obviously would look foreign. And I'm still not uh, like I'm still not great at reactive programming in general. And so it's just honestly, it feels like a. It was just so funny to hear Brooks say that because it was like the exact opposite for me. It just feels foreign, and I'm uncomfortable with it. And when I debug problems with it, that's where I start like bashing my face in because I'm like, okay, like that's that's where I'm like, can we just do it the old way, please? So <laughs> it's nothing to do with really how it performs, just strictly the, uh, I guess, the learning curve to get going that that bothers me with it, uh, with really anything reactive, so not just forms. <laughs> to be fair to you, like I never used Angular JS, right? So Angular Angular two, as it was at the time, was was my first experience in Angular. So I, when I was learning it. I had the, you know, there, there I was were like these avidly two formal- watching that day. They did, you guys, have you seen the keynote where there was like all these tombstones and they were like RIP, like everything in AngularJS. It was like, you know, RIP scope and RIP uh, like directives or whatever. It was like every single thing that you're used to using in AngularJS. And I was like watching it because like AngularJS was my life back then. And I was like, what are they doing to me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like dying a little bit inside when that keynote came out. So yeah, that uh, it is. It's because I, you know, when I started programming, I learned JavaScript at the very first. And then I tacked on some AngularJS and some Firebase. And I saw the magic of like just building web apps quickly. And it was just magic. I loved it. And so, yeah, that's kind of my background. And it's just still hard for me to adopt the reactive way. <laughs> One of the reasons why people maybe might also shy away from reactive forms is also the fact that, you know, 
it does kind of require some level of RxJX, which was a big thing for me because, you know, let's be honest, I never heard of nobody that just saw RxJX and went like, cool, you know, everybody went like, for a while. <laughs> most people that, let's be real. Mo- most of us that use RxJX just know enough RxJX to get by. <laughs> we just, we just know it. We, we're not like Ben Lesh level like oh RxJX. We're like, okay, I know how to subscribe unsubscribe and use the async pipe and that's where it ends and right like you know i maybe i know how to use a behavior subject you know that's like oh cool but that's you- that's about all you need though to to be honest like, I know. You know, I'm like 98 percent of the time i'm like is there really anything else is there and yeah, you know, when i knew i didn't know rhx it was when i read a blog post by ben lesh saying mm. you do not need to unsubscribe as much as you think and all i could just be like Oh, snaps, because I was unsubscribing everyone. And he kind of explained, like, look, you're unsubscribing, so you're creating a variable to hold in the subscription so that you can go to the the ng on destroy and then call on subscribe. He's like, no, you know, you can just like say maybe take one or like, you know, take until actually just building the logic while you were subscribing. I was like, that actually makes some bloody sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Because then this thing would take care of the cleanup for me, wouldn't it? Oh, and then, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, do you think that plays a role into maybe making people's, uh, people a little bit more hesitant to use um, reactive forms? For sure. Oh my gosh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm like looking up this talk now by Ben Lesh. I wanna, I'm like, I want to see this. <laughs> yeah, he's a legend. He's, he's, he's like, he's, he's just such a legend. Uh, he should be Ben Ledge, not Lesh. We should change it into legend. <laughs> Just change it. Yeah. It's done. Finished. <laughs> I will tweet him that. But you're yeah. Wel- you're welcome, Ben. <laughs> Call it the DMV. Put in the you know, name request change. All yeah, on his ben, behalf. Yeah. Throw in a pull request in there. Yeah. <laughs> when you said the DMV, I was like, are we getting him a, a license plate that has like that on it? That'd be cool too. <laughs> ben legend. Oh, <laughs> you give my all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you imagine goodness. having that level of RSJS knowledge showed like, just on hand. Like, I don't know how he does it because just he'll just appear on someone's Twitter feed and just go where someone's just someone's just sort of idly tweeting, "Oh, I'm I I can't do this thing on RSJS," and Ben just like flies in like some kind of superhero and just he is a bit of an almanac, isn't he? He just drop like five operators that you've never heard of. Does anybody know how many operators there are? Like the total number? So, no, I think there's a lot. I think they're in the hundreds. Okay. The one I recently started using more was share replay. So I used to have this case where I was doing complex stuff, but I was I was just for the share operator. But then whenever I went to the template, it just the data wouldn't show up and I wasn't really understanding why. Like, hey, I'm sharing. The whole point is I don't want this to send more than once. But apparently the share operator kind of only gets to a certain point. And there's some like weird stuff I've never fully understood. But when you use the share replay, you still get only one request being made, but it almost like replaces the entire like, um, what's it called? Um, stuff. Stream. Oh, so much terminology in the pipeline. Yeah. Stream. Just, just throw buzzwords. RxJS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We won't know if you're right or wrong, so it doesn't right, yeah. matter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> blah, blah, yeah. fork join, blah, blah, yeah. take until, blah. Yeah. It's like uh, lorem ipsum, but like for <laughs> RxJS <laughs> operators. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I started playing with combined latest recently. That was oh. pretty cool. 
oh no i will use zip where maybe sometimes you have like those cases where you have um like a parameter from the router and you also want to do something else but you need to do something else like in between where normally you could just get like the clock it and then pass it down to a switch map and then do that but sometimes you need to do another thing maybe you need to get some data from here but you also need to get data that comes that uses the like the parameter here and then so you const const and then you zip both of them and then you subscribe and you like then it's it's yeah oh that's cool i feel like i want to tell us our rsjs operator story but i wasn't sure i listened like she was getting ready to wrap up there <laughs> now i'm now i'm sitting i'm teetering on the brink of whether to tell my story or not no no i want to hear the story well, it's probably not that exciting i probably built it up like i was just thinking like it i know we've gone way off topic right but because <laughs> we started off talking about what i like about forms and now this has become what i like about rxjs um one thing i do like is is that you can just like suddenly discover some operator just because you suddenly need it and you go and try and figure out how am i going to do this and find there is an operator for that like one that i had recently there was this weird edge case on the the project that i'm working on where occasionally uh you'd have you'd have some pipelines that that in, included going off to like an authorization service to to get you know make sure that the user is logged in and like there's this weird edge case that if you happen to refresh your page at about the same time that your session was expiring oh no that that, that service would just return like undefined or null or something and it would just everything would blow up on the page because the, this like checking your service was just like at the top of a long pipeline and uh, i was like how on earth am i going to resolve this and i was like what i really need is some way of only like continuing down the line if there's if there's something to do and i and i i found there's i think it's something like skip while and so i could just put that in my pipe at the top you, you hit the auth service then you've got skip while basically the thing that you've returned is equal to null or is equal to undefined or something and literally putting that in there just meant that it hit the auth service it get the undefined it go nope wait for the next one and it just all worked it fixed it and it's like it's brilliant one line simple little line mm. that should be my pick skip one <laughs> that's, that, that's very smart <laughs> do you think a filter would have worked as well i'm just thinking about it <laughs> yeah yeah possibly that's true actually <laughs> didn't think of that at the time anyway here and that's my story i liked it i'll buy the story before it yeah thanks man i appreciate it <laughs> yeah it was good it's a good story now i'm just looking at all these ones that i like haven't even like pluck the I house use, pluck i use yeah. pluck it basically you could pass in a property name in an object and it would just get that for instead of going into the map and then getting in and returning it so you just see like for example if it was like the route params uh you could just say pluck the pass in the parameterized name and then it just returns the value for you so it's really 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 lovely. i've heard of pluck from underscore i think yeah, it's it's pretty cool <laughs> i like that i think that's my pick pluck <laughs> I think mine would be I like share and share replay. It just just makes everything nice. Yeah. Which one? Share. share. Oh, share replay, yeah. I'm like looking each one of these up as you guys mentioned. Uh-huh. So when you all are looking for like new ways to do or new methods or new ways to do this, are you just blindly Googling or is there like a resource, whether it's RxJS docs or something else that you is like your go-to bookmarks? Look for it here like first. Choose your own adventure thing, haven't they? On the on the react on reactivex.io, where you can you literally just follow this 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 like tree. I want to 
yeah. something that creates. Have some, you seen those, that, Brooks? Is, you're no, you're, you're yeah. blowing my mind right now. Yeah. <laughs> it was part of the website and they removed it in a new one, but I think it's back now on the new one. So yeah, it's like a decision tree. Oh, operator decision tree. Holy moly. Yeah. Like I want this to, is... do you need to, do you need, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. There's also this great place called like Stack Overflow. Never, I don't know if anyone has used it. Really <laughs> cool. Yeah. I, well, that's, that's where I learned. Yeah. That's where I figured. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, keep, I type in what I'm trying to do and someone says, you know, just use this. And I'm like, oh, okay. Are you sure they didn't say you're doing it wrong? <laughs> yeah. Really amazing. Don't tell anybody about it, by the way. It's really <laughs> It's your competitive advantage. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I need to have a career. <laughs> well, yeah. are there any other wow. forms or reactive RxJS things uh, before we do pick, Sonny, that you want to give a shout out to? Shout out, I would say. I have heard of this thing that um, Bram did. I think it's called Formally or something like that. It's supposed to be like a library on top of reactive forms that makes it easy for you to do template stuff, but reactive forms way, but with you just like making it easy to compose. I've heard of that. Never really use that because we really can't. Like we have to have full control over everything. I that's that's one thing I think people can look at as well. Feel free to. I've extensively given talks about reactive forms, and you can go my uh, slides.com/slash/sanyusup everywhere. Just Google Yusuf and Google reactive forms. You see host a number of talks that come up and the slides are all there. Uh, I also think I would really recommend that anybody listening, maybe we should come together and see how we can contribute more to the reactive forms repo. Maybe it needs a little bit of love. I've never really contributed on a large scale to an open source project. I have like like Angular. So maybe that this would be a good challenge for me myself to go in there. But I think it would be really, really good, useful. So let's create the features that we're missing that we want. I think that would be really amazing as well. You can open up a pull request to uh, deprecate the template-based forms. <laughs> oh, I already did that. <laughs> <laughs> you can literally just remove it from the repo. I, I fixed it for you. <laughs> Back when functional programming was making its resurgence, I found it really interesting that a lot of people were moving over there and it almost felt like it was on hype. And I didn't really understand the power of functional programming until I learned Elixir. Elixir is a functional programming language. It's built on the Erlang virtual machine, and it really does some interesting things and makes you build apps in a different way. But what's really fascinating about it is the speed of the applications, the ability to distribute work easily, and just how it manages the functional programming and all of the nice things about it so that you don't have to worry about side effects and a lot of the other things that come out of functional programming. Plus, pattern matching in Elixir is a killer feature. If you're looking for a new language that you want to learn that is going to make a difference for you and give you the opportunity to challenge some of your thinking and find a new way of doing it, Elixir is a great way to go. And we have a podcast now on Elixir called Elixir Mix. And you can find that at elixirmix.com. Well, what about Brooks or Chris? Picks for today other than the operators aforementioned? Chris, go ahead. Yeah, I will. I'm going to pick skip while (laughs) because it's... What a lovely RxJS operator. Yeah, I recently been, I finished uh, The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, and it was quite fabulous. Uh, and then I thought I would try out, a friend of mine was just banging on about how I should watch Star Wars Rebels, which is one of the animated series. And I was like, okay. So I decided to start watching the Clone Wars animated series instead. I don't know, just a spite him maybe, but... 
Uh, I'd, I'd never, I'd never bother with it because it looked awful. But it turns out I really like it. It's really good. How there's one thing that baffled me initially is that you're not supposed to watch it in order, and I didn't know why. Apparently, in the first three seasons, they they just jump all over the the the, the chronology all over the place. And so, in fact, on StarWars.com, they have published the order that you should watch. And so the first episode you should watch, if you've never seen it before, is season two, episode 16. I, th- I personally think that is absolutely mental. But as it turned out, um, I did that. I watched a few of them now. Like the second one you watch is like season one, episode 16. And it follows on directly from the one that like you just watched, which was in like the next season. It's insane. Um, so I'm going to pick the, the Clone Wars, but also I'm going to put in a link here for the um, correct chronological viewing order so that you too can watch it. That seems like a lot of work. It kind of is. Well, they, they drop it like I'm halfway through season three. Uh, supposedly, they just go to just proper episode viewing order. Um, but yeah, it's like, I want to watch Clone Wars. Cool. I have to get out my list. Right, which is the last one I watched and what one am I going to watch next? But I feel like it's going to be worth It's going to be a worthwhile investment of my time and energy, I think. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, I have uh, I have one pick today. It's uh, wearing Crocs with socks because we're all in quarantine, so no one can, no one can see what I'm doing. So I really enjoy uh, the light, cushy feeling and the warmth of my socks. It's it's very oh, luxurious. I don't understand how Crocs are even a thing. Like they should this just is be making me so happy. They should I be launched into the sun. As long as no one, as long as no one sees me, I think it's fine. <laughs> Some 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 friends of mine turned up at my house one day when 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 you could actually go to other people's houses and like yeah. both of their kids were just wearing these new pairs of Crocs and I just opened the door and took one look and said like why do you hate your children? <laughs> They're comfy I and kids let, with, with kids let, you don't have to you know tie the shoelaces uh, and everything that's right? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Velcro's for. I'm gonna too much work. Oh. <laughs> let me see Amazon.com. I think Velcro on an adult shoe would be even more scoffed at than a Croc sock shoe situation. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I can't argue with that. <laughs> but I, I would like Velcro shoes because I hate tying my shoes. Oh my gosh, this makes me so happy. <laughs> I, t- I tie them once and then wait until, you know, and then shove my I'm foot surprised in you even bother. I mean, just, you know, what's the point? Well, then people, people point it out to you all the time and that's just annoying. That's that's why you tie them. So so now everyone's like, ha ha, shoes untied there, slick. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, yeah thanks, dude. Yeah, I. Yeah. What you want to do is like get a new pair of shoes, take the shoelaces out, just get some like duct tape and just wrap it around, round and round and round until you get the perfect <laughs> comfort and turn duct them into tape. slip-ons. Yeah, that's- I've gotten I've gotten the elastic shoelaces like that you pull, oh. you know, and then you never have to tie them. Those when are I nice. was on the rowing team, we used to take our Nikes and like knot the end of the lace so, and then cut it. So basically you just slip it on and off, <laughs> but it's that's still laced. So that's what I still do to tennis shoes. So I've actually gotten out of tying as an adult. <laughs> I love that pick, Brooks. Thank you for that. Um, no I definitely want to give a shout out to Deborah Carada. She has an RxJS in Angular course on Pluralsight. And it's just quick, like three, four hour course for going through RxJS. And then also another site, if you're like, oh, Pluralsight's kind of expensive or what have you, um, Udemy is my second go-to 
and they have a course on RxJS as well. And I think right now there's like a flash sale going on for like 11 bucks to get the course. So definitely check those out. If you were listening today and feeling a bit lacking in the uh, understanding department. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sunny, uh, tell us uh, any other picks that you have and where people can find you online. So it's, I'm easy. You just search Sunny Yusuf, S-A-N-I-Y-U-S-U-F, um, Google or anywhere. That's my username everywhere. If you can find anybody that looks as handsome as this, then it just happens not to be me. You let me know. Um, on the flip side, I'm also working on a beginner course to programming, actually. So uh, as you know, I have courses on Linda and LinkedIn.com. When you, I've been lucky enough that I have like what 50, around 12, 13,000 you know, followers. And you know, there's a message I keep getting. No, I want to learn how to code. I want to start coding. You know, how do I learn how to code? Should I be learning Angular or React? I'm like, no, you should be learning how to, you should be learning JavaScript first. Like, so I see a lot of people learning, like they want to learn how to code, but you know, I always say we have a lot of programmers that are plumbers, but not engineers. A plumber could come fix your pipe. An engineer would know that you should buy this type of pipe. You should hang the pipe this high so that this problem doesn't occur. And I'm not trying to like shit on anybody or sorry, excuse my French, but I'm not trying to like, you know, be bad to anybody, but it's just, that's just the reality. So, and the reason for that is people don't learn the conceptuals properly. And I used to be. I've always said that my biggest regret was jumping into frameworks too soon. Like I didn't give JavaScript long enough to actually get those concepts down. So even still to this day, sometimes I'm like, is that JavaScript or is that this framework? Like, which yeah. one does that belong to? So I, I totally agree with you and back you up on that one, Sunny. I love that. So you said you have courses. So I'm working on one now. I'm really, I'm hoping maybe by end of July, uh, June, sorry, that it might be out. I, I've just started, uh, but it's going to be very, very like heavily JavaScript based, mm-hmm. but conceptual. Like we're, we're going to be using real world examples to explain what a variable is, you know, what oh a I cannot wait. So you're going to tweet about it when it comes out, right? Because I'm going to be... Yeah, I'm going to open up a coming soon page somewhere soon, sometime soon. So just watch on my Twitter. But it's going to be free as well. Absolutely free. Uh, unlike other courses that is just maybe YouTube only, I'm going to take the time to bite-size it so that you can actually get little excerpts on like platforms like Instagram, platforms like Twitter, two-minute excerpts that would maybe nudge you potentially to go watch it on the actual web page and everything like that. It's going to be a hundred percent free because I get that message so much. And I think it's time I did something about it. So, and it's going to be like no other, I hope. And so stay that's tuned. So cool. that. Dude, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. It's the first <laughs> announcement of that. So I, now I really have to finish it. <laughs> I know. You're like, Oh, what date did I just set? Uh, <laughs> that's really, really cool. Well, that thank sounds you awesome. so much for coming on today, man. This was a really cool topic and I love chatting with you you're just really really neat influence in our community so thank you for just always supporting people I see you out there all the time lifting people up in the angular community and just want to thank you for that I my pleasure man you know the angular community has given me so much it's only right for me to give as little as I can or as much as I can as well so thank you pleasure so my awesome awesome well, I think that's a wrap we'll see you all next time bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.